You know, sometimes as, uh, as I begin to prepare and pray, sometimes the Lord gives me a series or something that we're going to cover, or sometimes I know weeks in advance what exactly we're going to be getting into, and it always lines up, and God always has a plan and always has a purpose. And, and, uh, but, but this week, my heart kind of went in a little bit different direction. If you walked in, you noticed that you had something seated in there in the seat with you, and it was a nice little sign that said, Do not disturb. Now, how many of you ever stayed in a hotel or a place where these signs come in pretty handy, right? I remember as a kid thinking how cool that would be if that worked at the house. (laughs) That as a kid, I thought, man, wouldn't it be neat if I was able to to hang on my door when when my mom or my dads want me to do chores or do something I I don't really want to do, that I could just hang out a little sign that said, do not disturb. And then, wouldn't it be neat if, if... when my mom or my dad was complaining about the cleanliness of my room, I could just turn the sign over where it says, Maid service, please. And get, and get that. I mean, how great would that be? Wouldn't it be great if, as I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if even in, during these disturbing times that we live in, that we could just put a sign on our door that says, do not disturb, and all the disturbing stuff going on in the world would just be kept at bay? Wouldn't that be exciting? And when things were messed up in our house, maid service please, right? The truth is, though, that wouldn't have worked when I was a kid. And that doesn't work today, unless you're staying in a hotel. Isn't it interesting, though, the better the hotel, the better the service, right? Because I was thinking about that thought, and it was pretty funny. It was early in the week, and I always know it's God when I can find, because literally, it was like Tuesday that this thought hit me and began to do, and so I jumped online, and you know, Amazon can be a great thing. I was like, can I get do not disturb signs here pretty quickly? Sure enough, next day there were 100 do not disturb signs sitting on my front porch. But as I thought about that, my mind began to go to Revelation chapter 3 where where Jesus is, is writing the letters or, or dictating to John on the Isle of Patmos the, the letters to the church. And in the letter to the church of Laodicea, the one that we would call the lukewarm church, in verse 20 he says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now that's an interesting picture. We know that there's a famous painting of of Jesus standing at the door and knocking and all the things with that. But you know, I love the line where it says, if he will open the door, I will come in and I will eat with him or, or dine with him or sup with him, depending upon the translation. In other words, hang out. How many know that still today, still to this day, the idea of eating a meal with somebody means that there's relationship. It means that there's, that there is, is, or at least a, a, an attempt to create a relationship. 
I know that's one of the things that we love to do when, when somebody new comes into the church. Now the last few months have kind of messed up that plan as normal. But we love to just, as people come into the church and say, hey, let's go have a meal together. Or, or you guys come to our house. And let's, let's have this time where over some food we can just let the walls down and begin to have that interaction with one another. There is something powerful about that. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of relationship that I long for with my Jesus. I want him to come in. I want him to to be a part. I, I want to have that closeness. And in many ways, I thank God that I do, that, that, that my life, so much of my life is, is spent, that, every, that many times it's a mold, it's not a, yes, I have a certain prayer time, but outside of that, there are conversations with him all day long. And truthfully, sometimes I don't like what he has to say in return. But the issue is, and this is what I want us to get, the issue with being intimate with Jesus is that he tends to disturb things if we truly let him in. He doesn't leave us the same. Too often, I believe Jesus approaches us Desiring more than a lukewarm relationship. And he's wanting to press in. He's wanting to become a part of our lives. And I'm afraid too many times he finds this hanging on the door to our hearts. Do not disturb. See, Jesus desires much more than a lukewarm relationship. But the question is, will he be greeted with a do not disturb sign Or do we open the doors to our hearts up and say, come in and dine with me. Come in and hang out with me. Because if we truly let him in, he will disturb some things. But it's not a bad thing. So to make matters worse, when we, what do we do? When we get it, you know, we will say in many ways, he comes to us and, and, and we say, do not disturb. But then when we get ourselves in a mess... We want to say, Lord, maid service, please come clean up my mess. Come on, we all do it, right? We get in that situation, that circumstance. But, you know, <clears throat> unfortunately, this is nothing new. This is, it's not something new with just our generation and our time. This is something that has been a problem all the way down the line. It's part of our human nature. But how many know that just because something is a part of our nature doesn't mean that we shouldn't work on it, that we shouldn't change those things. We should have the attitude, Lord, come in. Lord, disturb things in my life. Rearrange some things. Instead of just saying, Lord, I need maid service, but then when he asks something of us, we say, I didn't ask for that. That's going too far. So as I thought about that, my mind went to Haggai uh, chapter 1, verse 2 through 9. Just a little bit of a history here. This is one of the books of the Bible that we know pretty well and pretty solidly around the time frame that it was written. It was written around 520 B.C. And the, and the children of Israel had been in captivity in Babylon. And, and they had come back. They'd, they'd, been, they'd been set free to kind of go in and rebuild Jerusalem. And this is about the time that, that Nehemiah and Ezra were involved and the walls were rebuilt and all those stories that you've heard a, a hundred times that all that stuff began to take place. 
But Haggai comes in as a prophet, and he's a part of that time frame, and and he finds an interesting situation. God had begun to do some things, but the Lord gives him a specific message, and I want us to look at this for a moment. Verses 2 through 9. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time is not come that the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown so much and bring in little. You eat and do not have enough. You drink or you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. I've never felt that way before. Like your bank account has a hole somewhere. Right? Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the temple so that I may pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Kind of interesting. I kind of set the scene a little bit, but but the historical fact is here is is at this time, they begin to settle. People had come back to Jerusalem from captivity, and it was beginning to grow, and things were happening. And, and you know the stories, like I said, of, of Ezra and Nehemiah and the stuff that was going on. But at this particular time, what we have here is that the foundation of the temple had been started. The walls had been worked on. These things were in place, but it, literally there was a barren foundation that was laying there. Have you ever seen driven by some place that construction got started and for whatever reason it just stopped and then for ages and ages and ages the foundation, maybe some of the plumbing and stuff is there and it just sits there and it sits there and the weeds begin to grow up through the stuff. And so you can imagine this is kind of the scene that was in place that that. Haggai was looking at at this time as he began to look around. So I just picture in my mind this foundation sitting in the middle of Jerusalem where it had been laid so that they could rebuild the temple that was being torn down. And the weeds and the things are growing. And everybody's just going around doing life as normal and all these things. And they find themselves. And so they wondered why they were working and working and striving and striving and not getting anywhere. And, and basically... It was because the Lord's house was being neglected. In a sense, what we have here is that God was saying, Maid service, please provide for us, give us the things we need. And But when it came to rebuilding his temple and finishing that work so that he could have a prominent place in the community, they were saying, do not disturb. And there's some interesting things that I ran across historically that I'd never really seen this way before. Because they wondered, why weren't they getting anywhere? They wanted service for their desires, but God was saying, I don't think so. See, what it was, is it was a disturbing trend, and it's a trend that I even see today. Though we live in disturbing times, 
How many know that his work and the advancement of his kingdom should still be a priority? This is not the time to put God's work on hold while we shut ourselves in our houses. And that's as far as I'm going to go with that right now. I'm not saying that, that there aren't times that we shouldn't take precautions or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But all I'm saying is that God's work still needs to go forward because there are people that are looking for answers and we're the ones with the answers. But I want you to notice that the Lord, the Lord calls them and tells them to build his house. And in verse 8, he says something very interesting that I never really noticed this way before. That they were to go up to the mountain and bring wood down to build the temple. Now, that doesn't sound that out of place because we say, well, obviously they're going to need wood to build the temple, right? But if you look at it and you back up and you put two and two together, in Ezra 3.7, it tells the story how the king had set aside the wood and the stuff to build the temple. He gave him the letters and the authority, and it literally says that they should bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa. Many scholars believe that what happened is the wood and the things and the provisions that were set aside for the rebuilding of the temple that sit there over time was disappearing into people's houses. Because the wood was supposed to be provided, so why would they have to go up to the mountains to get wood? You notice the Lord points out, while you're living in your paneled houses. In other words, could it be they were taking what, was, what literally belonged to God and using it to make themselves comfortable? Let me put you at ease this morning. This is not a giving message, okay? So you can let your wallet relax a little bit, although that can be a part of it. But I want us to look at it from the broader picture. We live in disturbing times. There's no doubt about that. Our enemy is seemingly having his way all around us. Even during that time, these people, they were trying to, if you read the whole story between the different ones that are involved with that, they were surrounded by enemies. There were people that did not want Jerusalem rebuilt. But yet here they were focusing on themselves and their comfort when the one that could really do something about the enemy on the outside, they were letting his house remain in ruins. See, but we live in a time where it seems like the enemy is having his way all around us and, and we desperately need a powerful, powerful move of God. In many ways, though, I think we're just as guilty of focusing on ourselves more than truly letting him come in and responding to his call to make a difference in the world around us. You see, we desire God to serve us. We want his protection. We want his provision. But yet when God calls us to do something, how often are we saying, I can't be disturbed right now? You see, because... 
Truth is, there's so many ways we can be involved. There's so many things we can do. But sometimes it's as simple as somebody has a need over here and somebody else over here has the means to meet that need. And as we respond to the Holy Spirit, He has a way of putting those things together if we will put Him first. And when He speaks, we wouldn't say, Lord, don't disturb me. I want you to notice the Lord's response to them. We read it. I mean, think about it. They were concerned about their economic situation. Lord, we moved back to this city and, and things. And, and man, you know, this seemed like such a great opportunity, but it's not going as well as it should be going. And, and, and man, it seems like we work. And when I get a little money and I put it in a purse, it's like the purse has holes in it. And, and we just seem like we're working, working, and not getting it well. And the Lord says, hey, guys, there's a reason for that. You're no longer putting me first. Put me first. And I'll take care of that other stuff. Have you ever walked through a season of blessing? I mean where where you just it just seems like you, you think you know, you look at the circumstance and you think, this is a lost cause. I don't know what I'm going to do, whether it's financially or something else. And all of a sudden, you're so worried about it. And you pray and all of a sudden, God comes through and it seems like all of a sudden, the windows of heaven open and the sun is shining. You can hear the angels going, ah! And just like everything suddenly changes and he's pouring out blessing again and again and again. And you look back and within just a short period of time, it's like, wow, I can't believe I was so stressed out back here. Look at what he's done in this short amount of time, how quickly he turned everything around. He's capable of that. I mean, he is capable of the greatest service of all. The problem is, we expect one, but when he wants something, we give him the other. See, we, 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 they didn't want to be disturbed, so God quit answering their call for service. It was that simple. Matthew 7.21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But what he says, the ones that will is, He who does the will of my Father in heaven. I thank God for his salvation. I thank God for his grace. I thank God there's nothing I can do to earn it, but there is something about favor when we're obedient. Think about it. We must be aware of what sign is posted on the door of our hearts. Now, this is where I'm going to get into meddling a little bit, all right? I'm just giving you a fair warning. Isn't it strange how a $20 bill seems so huge when we feel the spur to give? And yet, if we find something on sale for $20 that we want, we're like, oh, you're not going to believe this was only $20. But if the Lord wants that $20, but that's $20. Guys, it's the same $20, all right? I'm just saying. Or, if we have a two-plus-hour service, I can't believe church went that long. But a movie or a sporting event, that's short. Hmm. Okay, this is going well. I'm waiting a little deeper. Everyone wants front row tickets to concerts or games, but yet somehow there's competition for the back row at church. 
Isn't it interesting how difficult it is to share the truth of God and to share the idea of salvation and to witness to others, but gossip spreads like wildfire? Or we, or we take repeated posts that have been posted and reposted and reposted on social media as that's true factual news. Pastor, are you sure that this particular scripture still applies to today? <laughs> when did social media become scripture and scripture become flexible with the times? See, we all at times have great excuses as to why we can't be disturbed. I saw this quote. This isn't original to me, but this is good. Our excuses have the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie we use to convince ourselves. I'll say that again. Our excuses have the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie we use to convince ourselves. We're good at letting ourselves off the hook, right? What if we switch that? What if we change that up? What if instead of do not disturb, we changed it to please disturb me? How do know that that should be our heart? Lord, disturb me, please. Now that's a dangerous prayer. That's the prayer we should be praying. Disturb my status quo. Disturb the areas of my life that are out of balance. Lord, show me where I need to change. Lord, you have the freedom. You don't have to knock on the door. The door is always open for you. Just come on in and disturb my everyday life. Change the way that I do things. Make yourself at home. Lord, hang out with me. Shake me up. Disturb me. Do what you have to do to get me where I need to be. And quit saying, Lord, don't disturb me. Because I think the thing that we've forgotten is we've forgotten who the master is. If we think we have the power to say, Lord, send, the maid, send your holy maid service. And then do not disturb. Then we've got it backwards. Somehow we think we're the master and he's the servant. That's out of balance. He's supposed to be the master. We're supposed to be the servant. Anything he graces us with, we ought to fall on our face before God and thank him that he loves us enough to bless us with those things. Because he loves us that much. See, Jesus came and he humbled himself as a servant. I wonder if sometimes we think that because he came and he humbled himself as a servant for all, that we think that somehow he's our servant. He was showing us the example of what we should be and what we should do. I want to challenge you to do something. I want you to take this card for yourself and in your own way mark out do not put please disturb on there and then on the other side I want you to mark out made and please and say how can I be of service 
I want you to do that. I want you to take this. I want you to use this as a Bible mark to, to stick it in your Bible to have, just to be that reminder of who the master is and who the servant is and just begin to say, Lord, please disturb me. And then in response to that, when it comes and he serves, Lord, how can I be of service to your kingdom? What can I do? Because there are talents, there are abilities, there are things that he's placed in each and every one of us. We are so unique. There's areas that every one of us excel. There's areas where every one of us stink. But he gave us those giftings for a reason. And he has a way. You are created like you are for a purpose. That doesn't mean we don't work on our weak stuff. But what it means is the the gifts that he's given us are gifts that he's given us that can be used for the kingdom. And let's put those things to service for the kingdom. Let's correct things and say, Lord, have your way. Lord, use me. Use my giftings. Isn't it great that you don't have to measure up to somebody else? If you read the parable of the talents, he says, to one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to another one all in accordance with their ability. He didn't tell any asking of them, why didn't you measure up to the guy that had five? No, it was, what did you do with what I gave you? And they were judged on how they used what he gave them. The only one that got in trouble was the one that didn't do anything with the one he was given. I'm not going to get way too far into that, but I I can't tell you how many times I myself pray, Lord, I know I'm not the five-talent guy. I'm probably the two-talent guy, but Lord, help me use whatever you gave me for your glory. Because if I can take those two, and on that day when I show up, say, Lord, you gave me this, and I have this in return that I can give back to you, that somehow I use the things that you put into my life for your glory, that makes it, I mean, what an incredible day that's going to be. Don't be the one talent guy. See, God does so much. We have to do our, we have to do the same. We have to do works for, of service for the king. We have to reach out to others. There are those that we have intimate relationships and those we have, have connections with that we can begin to influence them and begin to bring them into the kingdom and things that we can do that'll be, you know, man, if you're a guy and you've got somebody that you work with that you're concerned about, invite them to pizza night. I promise we're not going to browbeat them that night. We're just, they're going to hang, they're going to, the idea is they're going to hang out and they're going to see that, hey, they're just guys like me. They just happen to love Jesus. You know, we try to make it so hard. Somehow we think that we got to have some theological degree to share the gospel. That when I finally get everything learned, I'm going to share the gospel. Well, if that's the case, I would still be waiting. I haven't got it figured out yet. But what I do know is that he loves me. He saved me. He has a plan for my life. And that those that are out there that are hurting and lost, he has a plan for their life too. And we were told to go 
and to share this gospel. Doesn't say we're all called to be preachers. But how many know that your life and your actions and just being personable can make the biggest difference? Just being real. Just being real. You know, when it's all said and done, I've said this many times to Kim, when it's all said and done, the greatest compliment I think somebody could give, and I hope this, whenever my funeral happens, actually, I really hope the rapture takes place before then, but if my funeral happens, the one thing that I hope can be said over and over is that he was real. That he was who he said he was. That's the best we can hope for, that we're just real. Just the real thing. You know, what if we truly lived a life and declared to the Lord, disturb me. Lord, how can I be of service to you? And we responded to that with our hearts. What a different world it would be. You know, what if? Church wasn't all about what we get out of it, but became all about what we put in. Wouldn't that change the atmosphere? You know, years ago, I don't even know why I'm telling this, so maybe this will speak to somebody. Years and years ago when <clears throat> Kim and I were in children's ministry, the North Texas District had just built a, a kids' camp facility. And it was a great facility, but it wasn't really built with kids' camp in mind. It was more like a convention. You know, I mean, they had nice hotel rooms. They had all this stuff. And we were part of the very first camp that was held there. And it was cool to have new facilities, but one of the things that was asked, one of the questions that was thrown out there was, what do you think about this? And our response was, there's not much about it that's very kid-friendly at this point. And I had friends that were in children's ministry. Please, I'm really going somewhere with this. But I had friends in children's ministry. They were like, you know what? We're just going to go find some other camp to go to. But you know what I felt? I can complain and I can go find somewhere else that has everything I need or I can roll up my sleeves and become a part of the solution. And so I approached the leadership and the powers that be and said, if there's anything we can do to help make the kids' camp experience better, let us know. Next thing you know, I was assigned to a committee with some other friends in the ministry to work together to improve that side of things. We literally wrote a proposal over years to move and to shift some things. I'll never forget at the district council that our proposal was submitted and we were expecting, okay, them to lay this in and over the phase of the next three years we'd advance some things. I said, you know what, why wait? Let's do it all now. And it passed. And the cool thing was, we got to be a part of shifting something into something better. 
Because instead of complaining, we use the giftings God gave us to advance it. And even though we are years and years and years removed from that, over 10 years since we've been involved in that kind of ministry, and yet today there are still things that are being done on the district level that we were a part of planning and advancing. What if we had that idea of church? Instead of, why don't we have this and why don't we have that? We said, you know what? I have this gift that I bring to the table Let me roll up my sleeves and be a part of making it better and moving it forward and becoming a part so that the things that I... Because, you know, I believe many times. This is not even in my notes. I believe many times that the things that God... that We feel like God shows us that there's a hole is because he's saying, you need to fill that hole. Instead of saying, somebody needs to, guess what? You are somebody. That was free. <laughs> what I'm saying is we need, to, we need to remember who is knocking and respond to the one that is knocking at the door. Say, Lord, disturb me. How can I be of service to your kingdom? Remember what we started with? Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. See, Jesus desires more than a lukewarm relationship. He should never be greeted with do not disturb. Never. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. As I do, I want you to listen. As I said, that whole knocking at the door was part of the letter to the lukewarm church, Laodicea. But I want you to hear what he said the rewards were if they opened the door. Verse 21 and 22. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sit down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want to read that again. Revelation 3, 21 and 22. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Can you imagine? I mean, I just picture my mind crawling up in his lap on the throne. Now, wouldn't that be cool? And also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In other words, he will, if we'll open the door, he'll come in. And he'll, there's incredible things that he'll do. This morning, as I remember, as I thought about that whole idea of who was knocking, my mind went to communion. So he says, I'll come in and I will eat with him. You know, there was a Lord's Supper before he went to the cross. That he sat at the table 
with his closest followers. And he took the bread and he broke it. Everyone should have one. If you don't raise your hand, I'll make sure you have one. But I love what he says. He says, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He broke the bread. He shared it with them. And he said, this is the meal I'm having with you and I will not have it with you again until I come. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. That needs to sink into us. The one that is standing at the door and knocking is the one that allowed his body to be broken so that we could have access to the very throne room of God. Why does he have the right to disturb our lives? Because we're bought and paid for by a crushed and broken body that spilled its blood for us. And because of that, we need to remind ourselves who actually owns us. And anything he asks of us is not too much. Then he says in verse 19, And he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He would stand with me for a moment. And I'm going to pray, and we're going to take this bread together. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Lord, the pain that you endured goes so far beyond anything I can imagine. So Lord, just because of that, I don't see where I have the right to say, do not disturb. Lord, I pray that every one of us today would just open our hearts to you. Say, Lord, come in. Lord, I pray that you bless this bread as we take it together. Lord, understanding what was done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread together. That says, likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. I love that they sing today nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is the only thing that can wash away our sins. I know it's common today for people to say that there is many roads to heaven. It's a lie. There's many roads. They're not even climbing the same mountain we're climbing. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Lord except through me. I am thankful for that blood, that blood that was shed for me. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for your hand and your presence and your peace and your power. We thank you, Lord, that we can stand here knowing that we've been washed by the blood of Jesus and that we are free and we are clean and we are whole. And, Lord, that we are in the midst of your hands. You hold us in your hand. Lord, we can walk in that assurance that you have us and that you care for us. Lord, I pray as we take this cup together, Lord, let us remember whose we are and the price that was paid. And Lord, let us never say, do not disturb. Lord, let us say, disturb me. How can I be of service to you? And we thank you as we take this together in Jesus' name. so thankful for the blood of Jesus. We're not going to do a formal dismissal. They're going to lead us back into worship. And you can just take a moment and just reflect on what God's spoken to you today. Enter into His presence. And I challenge you to correct your card. Let that be a prayer reminder. Reflect on what He's doing. Abounds in deepest water. 
trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you would call me Take me deeper than my feet have ever wandered And my faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Without borders, 
Than my feet could ever wander. 